This is Train to Perform, the undisputed alpha podcast in training, fitness, and sports performance. Here, you'll develop your skills with the cold, hard facts in fitness, sports performance, recovery, and nutrition. Real, tried and true, evidence-based facts that have been proven to move you faster, move you stronger, and move you forward. Now, here's your host of Train to Perform, Julian Sisman. And welcome back to another episode of the Train to Perform podcast here with your host, Julian Sisman. Today we have on John Patrick. He is a human performance strength coach at a high school in Georgia um, and has in a number of different roles at universities from Youngstown State to more recently UNC Charlotte. Um, we talk about a number of different things, uh, his journey as a strength coach, how he went from a football player to becoming a strength coach to working uh, pretty much all day to a GA position and, um, you know, bu- building his, um, you know, philosophy and methodologies from different um, strength coaches that he worked with alongside uh, learning different things, not only about the strength conditioning aspects, but the, you know, leadership, the, um, you know, helping kids really become, uh, building their character. And we touch a lot of, we touch on a lot of these topics, uh, in our conversation. Um, and especially in his role at, uh, the, the, the academy that he is at in Georgia, um, it's a little bit different than many, uh, it's not your normal, uh, strength conditioning position. Um, so we cover on, you know, what he does. And how he um, implements training amongst the students at this academy. Um, it, from the conversation, it sounds like it's a very well-known academy that um, works with some higher-end athletes, but also um, very intelligent uh, young kids. So, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, again, please, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate review it, share it, check out other episodes that we provide. Um, and thank you. Appreciate it. So yeah, just kind of fill me in on, you know, why, why you, uh, got into the field strength conditioning. Um, you know, I know you are from Ohio, so, uh, you know, it's, it's big up there. Uh, I actually went to Ohio state, played soccer there. So I know what it's, what it's like out there. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. I, I will admit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I got in the profession, uh, you know, just, just for the love of the weight room, right? Like, um, that was my first and foremost, you know, I didn't really know when I first got, I went to really small high school. So when I first got into it, um, I wasn't really sure like the difference between my, 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 my guidance counselor didn't really educate me very much on the different degrees out there, but you know, I didn't know really the difference between a you know strength coach or like a personal trainer or a P, you know physical therapist. I just you know I just thought it was like you get in the profession, you can do what you want to do, right? So, um, and plus, 
in high school, I really fell, fell in with the weight room, like in love, just because, um, you know, I played football in high school, you know, I went on to play, you know, college athletics, but, um, you know, we were lifting in middle school, you know, and, and the thing is we had, you know, we had two brothers that were football coaches that, um, you know, there was about probably 10 or 15 of us. And we went in like the janitor's closet right off the, right off the gymnasium. And they had like two squat racks, two bench presses, a leg curl, leg extension. And then we had a, a lap pull down, um, machine, old universal machine in there. And that's, that's where we started lifting. Right. And then after we got done lifting, we all played basketball together right outside the gym. And then, you know, that was like, that was like the thing to do. That was tradition. Like year after year, you knew guys that growing up that did that. And, and like, that was it, you know? So just that bond, I think of, of lifting weights, being with people. And then all of a sudden, you know, that fed into high school. Um, you know, our high school football coach was our strength coach. And, you know, I think in my graduating class, I had 70, five kids or something like that. So it was a real small rural school out, out in Ohio, um, outside of the, the city of Youngstown. And, uh, you know, our strength coach, our football coach was a strength coach. And he did, I mean, looking back now, he did an amazing job with what we had, you know, like um, the, just the equipment we had and, and, you know, the additions. And, you know, I know my senior year, they actually, you know, we were training in a boiler room underneath the school. So oh. like yeah, I was in a boiler room. So it was like, uh, and it was an old locker room. So like one, one, there was a squat rack in one shower and then the other shower was another squat rack. And we had two, two, uh, two like bench press units and like a trap bar deadlift unit. And this is like in the mid nineties, early nineties, mid nineties. And, uh, we had another squat rack, like in a hallway. And that's where like that, that was like our football locker room. And then my senior year, they actually expanded out off the wood shop. Uh, they put like a big, a nice little weight room out there. I think we had like three squat racks and three benches and like, you know, some, some couple machines and stuff, but that's where, you know, just, just getting after it and, and training and, you know, just that, you know, I really hate to use the term blue collar, but, uh, you know, we were a bunch of, bunch of farm boys out from Ohio and we, we trained, you know, and then during the summer months, if we weren't playing football, we were bailing hay, you know? So that kind of like, it just instilled at us and we went from there and that, that carried over to, to college and, and, you know, I played at a D3 school up in Ohio, um, didn't have a strength coach. And, uh, you know, our, our DC was considered our strength coach and he would put the workout on the, the weight room door. And then some guys would do it. Some guys wouldn't. And, um, you know, but we, you know, we all got along and, you know, more or less guys did it because they knew how it was bred into them. Right. So, yeah. um, that, you know, that's how it really got a profession. And then, and then, you know, eventually, you know, eventually you do it for kind of like your own self-benefit, right? Like, Hey, I want to get stronger. I want to get, you know, get bigger muscles and all this stuff when you're younger. Right. And then, um, all of a sudden you see how much it helps your athleticism. Um, you know, if you do have an injury, how quick you bounce back from injury. And then all of a sudden you, you actually start coaching people and you see how it benefits them. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, I think we all enjoy winning when it comes to athletics. Um, and I think that's where, you know, okay, hey, I want to train to get better so I can win championships. But then when you're a coach, same thing. But then all of a sudden you're like, I want to coach people because it's beneficial to them and it helps them, right? So um, that's where, you know, and there's a transition of everybody's career as we go through is, is like, you know, you go, you have that transition where that aha moment, like, hey, I like doing this because I'm making an impact on X, Y, and Z, right? And mm -hmm. I, I really fell in love uh, with helping people and helping athletes and you know seeing a smile on the face or bringing bringing the weight room together um there's no better feeling to me right now than when an athlete you know reaches back you know it may be an athlete i trained you know i don't know 15 years ago and they go hey coach remember this time when we did this remember this time when we did that 
they, they don't talk about the game or, or, you know, the winning run or they talk about, Hey, remember that time during the summer that we did this, that really, that was awesome. You know, like, um, so those memories, you know, really, really pay through, but that's, you know, that's a big thing is I think high school and, and playing athletics and, and kind of building into uh, what the profession really was in the, in the elementary sense. I wasn't really sure what a personal trainer or strength coach was, but eventually those people around me that I came in contact with helped mold me into uh, or my philosophy as far as what it was really about. Right. Like my football coach in high school, his name's Rich McClellan. Uh, you know, I try to, I, I stay in contact with him still today. And the big thing is, you know, he, he tossed a lot of ways and that was in, you know, that was 1991 through 95. And we were doing some things that are coming back around nowadays, right? Like the whole trap bar deadlift dilemma, uh, the whole, you know, safety squat bar, half field squat dilemma, uh, you know, not doing Olympic lifts, uh, you know, doing jumps and sprints instead of that, doing med ball throws. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know, uh, you know, I always mention this in, in to some people, but Dick Hartzell, the individual that makes the big rubber bands. Uh, a lot of people use them for like resistance running and stretching and stuff like that. So I actually worked for him out of college. He's out, he's from Youngstown, Ohio, but you know, all those schools around the area uh, were training with these bands. So there was about 30 high schools in that vicinity that they had his units and his, his stuff at, his, you know, this is, this is late, you know, this is uh, like I said, this is late eighties, early nineties that people are using this to do, you know, explosive squats, to do running drills, like stuff like that. And that stuff's still around today. Right. So we were trained like that back then. Um, and like you said, you look on Twitter nowadays and like, it's the same stuff coming up, right? Like, um, it's just a regurgitation of information and whoever the most popular person is says something. And then all of a sudden it catches on like wildfire. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. But getting back to the topic, I mean, that's how I fell in love with it. I think you get out of college and you think that you're going to win these championships and you want to work for these caliber teams, these big logo teams. But at the end of the day, um, you can win as many championships as you want. But at the end of the day, if you're not helping people or if you're just in it for yourself, it's really going to, you're going to feel empty inside. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I haven't worked at these, I haven't worked, I've worked at some decent schools, uh, some tr very tradition rich schools. Uh, but at the end of the day, I could care less, you know, um, I mean, I've won championships, but I could care less about that. I really care about those kids and, and yeah. really make an impact in those memories. Right. That's, I mean, that's, that's what it's really all about. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's pretty much why I, you know, why, why I got into it as well. It's just, yeah. um, more or less, you know, me trying me, cause I, 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 I so I'm from, I'm outside the DC area and I played mostly soccer and, you know, it's, it was like, you know, one thing led to another from like injuries to like, you know, um, you know, uh, working with a speed and agility, you know, coach and realizing like, Hey, I, I kind of like this, like, kind of like, you know, I see what they do, see how they impacted me. So, you know, they were the first like place that I started to work at. And then, you know, one thing led to another, you know, I kind of went to a, more commercial gym. I've never actually worked in a college setting. I've only yeah. been in like the private sector. Um, but it's really, it, it, like you said, like it's, it's like helping these kids. Like um, it's, it's, I think it's really important and like, you know, educating them on, you know, you know, why the strength, um, you know, the agility and all that kind of stuff is important. The nutrition, this, you know, all the, the whole, the whole, uh, you know, list of things that you can go on about, like how it will impact them on their, you know, their performance in their, in their right. support. So, 
That's awesome. So when you, so you went to, you know, college, right. when you finished, did you go directly into coaching or were you, no. uh, like in a college setting, uh, or did you go, you know, a different route? Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure exactly where to go. So like, um, right out of college, I, uh, I worked for, obviously I worked for Dick Hartzell who invented the big rubber bands. He had a, a gym in, in Youngstown, Ohio. So right out of college, I, and even my senior year of college, I finished up playing football and, uh, I started working for him part-time and then eventually it grew into full-time. But, um, at that time, that was the, uh, that was the late nineties and baseball was the bands were getting really big into baseball with, with stretching and mobility work and stuff like that. So it was kind of, uh, I got into, uh, I worked for a minor league baseball team. It was a three month. I think we played 84 games in 90 days. Uh, it was independent, independent baseball team out of Canton, Ohio in the frontier league. And, uh, you know, it was all young kids right out of college. So like 22 to like 27, they're trying mm-hmm. to, trying to make it to the big league. So mm-hmm. I got thrown into there because uh, I knew the manager. I trained the manager's son. And he's like, hey, you know, he was from Youngstown. He's like, hey, do you want to come do this? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it, you know. So um, and I played baseball in high school. I wasn't I was a really good baseball player at all. Uh, but, you know, I enjoyed, you know, using these bands and, and preaching the message and trying to help everybody out. Right. So uh, when I did that for, you know, until the end of, end of August, until September, until the season was over. Uh, really good experience. And then from there, I went back working for Dick Hartzell for about a year. Uh, and I did some other jobs on the side. So I would work at, you know, I, I worked at a high school um, and I worked at a trucking company, you know, to make ends meet. So I worked from, I think I got up, I went and uh, worked at, I think it was like 4.30 in the morning until one part-time at a trucking company. Estes, Estes Trucking Company was in uh, West Middlesex, PA. I drove uh, like 35 miles, worked. And then on the way home around one o'clock, I worked at Austintown Fitch High School, which is a D1 school in Austintown, Ohio, outside of uh, outside of Youngstown, roughly about four or five thousand students. A big, it's a big school. Um, and uh, I worked there part time. Uh, they had like uh, they had a weight room there uh, that was also a community center. So the kids would use the weight room for classes and to train after school. And then after a certain time, I think it was like five thirty or something like that. Um, it opened up to the community so the community could pay like, uh, it was a really cheap cost. I think it was like $150 a year or something like that. And they could go in and use facility, um, uh, after that. So I, I did that. I got there early dismissal, which was 1 PM. Um, I might, I would, might train myself and then I would be there till like, uh, like five o'clock, uh, five or six just to supervise and check some members in. And then I worked at, uh, Dick Hartzell's little facility until like nine training kids. And I did that for about. I want to say maybe like seven or eight months, um, uh, just consistently, like it was, it was probably about, you know, six days a week I was doing that. And eventually I'm like, Hey, like, you know, what's the next step, right? Like I have this degree, I'm kind of using it. I'm not really using it. You know, I, I want to get in this full time. So I, um, I, I found an entrance way to get back into minor league baseball. So I, I got a, uh, work for spring training for the Detroit Tigers, uh, for a period of time and, uh, worked rookie ball. And then from rookie ball, I made it, I went to uh, extended springs training with the Cleveland Indians. So Cleveland Indians, I went down to Florida. That's when, you know, that's when they were back in, uh, I think it was a grapefruit league or whatnot down in Florida. And I worked there for a season. It just happened that I was repositioned. The minor league team was back in Youngstown. So I just got repositioned back in Youngstown. Uh, I could live at home with my parents 
and uh, keep the money for a stipend or whatnot for the housing stipend. So it was really good. So I worked there for a year and then uh, I wanted to get my master's. So that's where pretty much everything started off as far as college goes is I wanted to get a you know graduate. I was, I was applying for GA positions, graduate assistant positions everywhere. And finally one stuck and I got my first GA position um, summer, June of 2000, 2001. Um, so about two years out of college. And uh, that's where the collegiate collegiate realm went. You know, I wasn't really sure what a uh, a GA strength strength conditioning coach did. Like that was that was like back in the time. That was before internet, kind of. It was like when yeah. AOL. You had your disc, you know, and you plugged it in, and then it took up the phone and, and did all that stuff. And, and uh, so I wasn't sure what they really did, you know. So I, you know, I talked to the guy. I was at, that was at University of Texas El Paso. Um, so El Paso, Texas. I was living in Ohio at the time, and. I drove cross country to El Paso. It took me about, I think it was like 30 or 31 hours. Um, and that's where I started, started my GA position, you know? So, um, I didn't know what I was getting into at all. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it was a great experience. It really was. And it kind of got me out of my comfort zone because, uh, you know, Florida was like, you know, when I was in the minor league with, with, uh, you know, professional baseball, it was only about 12 or 13 hour drive back to Ohio, uh, from where I was at, but now I'm totally cross country. Um, kind of not really, you know, I had some family members in Florida at the time that I was near, but like when I was in El Paso, Texas, I, it was kind of like start over from scratch. Right. So, uh, where did you, so I kind of, yeah, I kind of dove, I kind of dove into strength conditioning and, and kind of, kind of absorbed everything and kind of, you know, tunnel vision. And, and this is the path because it, it gave me comfort, right? Like yeah. you're away from your parents and stuff. So yeah. you kind of engulf yourself in those kind of things. And it right from there was like 24 seven strength conditioning. So, um, you know, there's you some hiccups like, along the way or whatnot, but it, it was pretty awesome. So, did you have to uh, like? Did they provide housing? Because I'm well, mean, that's, in my first GA position, they did not. So, I remember I got paid. Uh, I got paid five. I think it was paid like five eighty a month, right? And my in my housing, my housing was like four fifty a month. So, um, and this is this is back in like two thousand one. Like I had no idea what. So I had some money saved up when I was working, working okay. you know three jobs, but like. Within a semester, like after a semester, I pretty much, I blew through that pretty quick, right? Like yeah. I'm 20, I think I was 23 or 24 years old. You know, I thought I was the king of the world and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm on my own, you know, so I'm, I'm blowing through money left and right. But, uh, you know, the school provided that, you know, they, put, they provided, you know, that money, but they paid for books. You know, we got some meals here and there, but yeah. I mean, it was, it was cool, you know, um, no real time to get like a part-time job or anything. Cause you're yeah. working 24 seven, but, um, yeah. You know, you really find out if you really want to be a collegiate strength coach right then and yeah. there, you know. And I think, you know, I think a lot of kids nowadays kind of, they graduate college and then all of a sudden they think they deserve a position <laughs> right away, you know, uh, a paying position, right? But I think you really have to find out, you know, if it's something you really, really want to do. And that, that from that point, I had an opportunity that I could have gave up and be like, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go work at, you know, the private sector or I'm going to go work at this. But that was a point I'm like, Hey, this relationship with these kids, that demographic that you're working with that 18 to 20 year old kid, um, is a special demographic. It was something at that time I related to them really, really well. And just the competition level, you know, like being a former collegiate athlete, um, you know, being around former collegiate athletes, uh, it was just like, okay, I, I understand their, their thought process and I understand how to, you know, communicate with them. Even though I'm close in age, I can still demand and, and, get respect from them because they understand what I'm talking about. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So that was, that was pretty cool too. So uh, that's where it kind of 
kind of fell in love with the collegiate realm. Um, obviously, you know, there's always hiccups or there's another, there's always other opportunities. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of finding out what fits for you at that right time. Right. So, yeah, yeah I know I, <clears throat> I relate well with you about what you said about, um, deserving to get paid immediately when, you know, you know, I, I, I um, kind of a little bit of, about myself, like yeah. I didn't have an undergrad in, in, you know, exercise right. science, kinesiology. I just kind of <clears throat> connected with coaches around here. And I was, I was like, look, man, I just, I want to learn. Like I would show up, uh, and for free help out, learn, um, I would drive all over the DC area and just do stuff for free. And that's, and that's like something I tell, you know, kids that are like interning from that have come to intern for me. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, look, look like, <clears throat> uh, you're not the only one out there that's, you know, working for free. Like, I know, I know it doesn't sound right, but, uh, there are plenty of college strength coaches that are doing the exact same thing you're doing. Yeah. This is, you know, for your undergrad and they're doing it more for like, you know, positioning themselves for later on. Um, but it's, you know, it's relatable in the sense that, you know, like, do you really want to do this is the question. Like, right. you know, some of these kids just. Saying, you'll find out really fast, you know, yeah, find out really fast if you want to do it or not. If you're eating ramen noodles every night and, and you know, that's, I mean, ramen noodles are fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but you know, once in a while, you know, you'd like to eat a steak once in a while. Right. Yeah. So you'll find out real quick. That's something you really, really want to do. So. Yeah. That's awesome. So once you, once you got through that uh, GA position, um, I mean, I was kind of looking at your, uh, sort of your resume, uh, right. a, a, you got, look like you were going back and forth, you know, over the past few years of college and high school. And I know now you're in the high school realm. Were you just doing that because of just the opportunities or? No, not really. I mean, uh, you know, college realm, you know, like I said earlier, like you always run into some hiccups, right? So like, um, uh, you know, first collegiate job you know, out of, out of, uh, everything was at, at Jacksonville university in Jacksonville, Florida. That was my first collegiate job after I finished my graduate degree. And, uh, I kind of moved on positions after that because it was like, uh, I wanted to move up to the next level. Right. So I, I kind of left that position to get, to get a better paying position. Um, uh, and the more, you know, the more, the higher up you go, uh, the more is at stake, right? Like you have to win. Um, you know, the coaches you work with may dictate some things that you do uh communication is key like at the end of the day x's and o's in in money pretty much rule everything so if you're not winning games if the coach gets fired and you're associated with that coach obviously you know it's time to clean house sometimes if a new coach comes in right so you know so i went to jacksonville university had a great career there loved it there it was really hard to leave uh but i got a great opportunity youngstown state being from youngstown um you know I, i you know i love youngstown ohio some people think i'm crazy because there's not much there anymore uh, it's considered the rust belt or whatnot, but that's, it fits my mentality, right? Like it fits who I am and I love that place. So I went back to Youngstown state. They have a strong tradition as far as winning football games, especially mm-hmm. during the mid nineties and, and late nineties. Um, I got hooked up with a coach that was fantastic. He's now the, the defense coordinator, at Iowa state, um, John Haycock. And, and during my time there, you know, we had a coaching transition, you know, um, coach, coach Haycock was relieved of his duties and a new coach came in and, and, I pretty much, you know, I was told, hey, you have, you know, you have one, you have pretty much a year to stick this out and see if it's something that you guys get along, right? And at the end of the day, it just wasn't something 
that we, I'm not saying we didn't get along, but you know, he wanted to bring his own guy in and I totally understood that. And that was something from that, that period forward, I had to find a position that at that point in time, you know, you're leaving your hometown and you're living in your hometown, you know, you have family there, whatnot. And you're like, Hey, like I can stay here. I'm comfortable here. I can get a different job doing something else. Or do I want to pursue what I, you know, do I really love coaching? Right. And, uh, from that point forward, it kind of, you know, I had, there's a month or two. I was just, I was just lost. I didn't know what to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I had opportunities to stay in town and I'm just like, you know, I need, I, that fire got lit a little bit and I was like, Hey, I need to get back to coaching. Right. No matter where I need to go, I need to leave this place and I need to get back in the swing of things. So, um, you know, obviously I found another position. Um, it was something, you know, something special. And then from there, you know, something happened again. Right. So it's just a matter of, it's, it's more situational. You have to be a reactive. You have to have a backup plan. Um, you know, when I, my first job that was in high school, uh, was in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was, we were actually contracted through, I actually worked for a private sector facility, but we were contracted out through them. So mm-hmm. we found different high schools to, to go work at, um, and work private sectors. So that's where I first came in contact with, you know, working to the high school level. Um, and it was just a matter of, you know, is this something I want to do? Do I want to get back into college? Kind of like that sort of thing. So some of them have been for, um, you know, from a better quality of life, right? And sometimes you just leave positions because things don't work out appropriately. Mm-hmm. Whether it's something that I did or whether it's something that a coach got fired, those things happen, right? So it is what it is. And uh, you just have to have a backup plan. You, I mean, I, you'll hear that all the time, right? Like, you know, if, if especially in a private facility, right? If you want to train athletes, the athletes aren't the only people that you have to go after. You also have to go after their parents because they're the ones with the money, right? So you have to consistently try to adapt that. And I think working those different levels, right? Not just being in collegiate, uh, kind of got me thinking a little bit from a marketing perspective for how to approach people, how to speak to people, right? So working in the private sector, I think you really get to work on your marketing skills and how you sell yourself, um, how people perceive you. Uh, and you really get to question what your philosophy is because at that point in time, that's what is really going to bring people in the door. You know, the collegiate level, you know, coaches are bringing people to you to train. So your philosophy doesn't really matter. But when you're, you know, when your paychecks pretty much derive on uh, you getting people in the door and retaining them for a period of time, now all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're understanding a little bit more what really clicks with the general population as far as training goes. You know, like and a lot of times in the private sector, you, have, you, you may only see a kid for three months even two months and then he goes on to do something else and hopefully he comes back after that season's over and you train him again. So it's always, you know, where, where college you're kind of training for the long term, that private sector, you're more short term, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and they do look, you know, private sector, it's kind of off topic right now, but that private sector really um, has opened my eyes to, okay, hey, what's, what's the trends in training, right? Like what do you know, obviously you can be more sports specific, whether you're doing soccer training or baseball training or whatever. Is it something that you're more of a functional person? Are you doing more explosive aspects? Are you doing more on the field work? Are you using technology to draw, draw people in? You have to have like yeah. something that you, it's, it's your go-to, right? Like, uh, but that's something that, you know, a lot of people will look at, just like you did, a lot of people will look at the resume and be like, oh, this guy went from here to here, you know, this and that. That's, that might be a negative thing. Sometimes people just can't, can't, can't do anything about that, right? Yeah, it yeah, no. that, It may be something that their spouse gets a better job and they have to move with their spouse and leave a really good position, all those things happen. But, um, no, I mean, yeah, all those, gonna... all those kind of experiences are, are, they can be there. I think they're more strengths than anything. Yeah. Else, yeah. So. Of course. Of course. I mean, I wasn't looking at it as at a negative. No, no. I was looking more as like, 
uh, I'm wonder, I was I was just curious if 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 there was a reason. I mean, I I understand the landscape of the strange conditioning, uh, the feel the like the how how it works. I was just wondering if it was more because of you just you know loved coaching the college. I kind of still like. Yeah, I mean, kids, I, I mean, I'm, like, I'm always gonna have yeah, I'm always gonna have a passion for college athletics, yeah. right? Like that's where I've spent my longest period of time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I fit in well there. Um, and I, obviously I think some people like, I'm a very sarcastic individual. Uh, so some coaches don't get that sometimes. Right. So I think sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. And once you rub a person the wrong way a little bit, sometimes yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't go over very well. Right. So, um, and I, I think I'm very, uh, everything I do is, I don't want to say it's high quality, but I d- demand a lot out of people. Right. Like if I, if you, if you're supposed to be on time, you're going to be on time. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no way about it. You know, like if we're doing a certain lift, it needs to be perfect, right? There's not, there's not like, if you look on social media, like things that I post, like I don't post a lot of things that are technically flawed, uh, just because I don't want people to get a bad impression that I'm just letting something fly and it looks, looks like garbage, right? Like Mm -hmm. I want things, if we're doing something, we're doing it perfect as best that we possibly can, you know? So, um, and that sometimes people don't like that, you know? So it's just a matter of, uh, yeah, I, I think and it's some of the some of the transitions I made were uh, positive, like I said, and some just because I had to I had I wanted to stay in yeah. coaching. I had to stay in there. Right? Yeah. Like it is what it is. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. A lot of people say a lot of people say, oh, you know, you're not really a coach. till you, you get fired or whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I don't really think that's true. Uh, but I think to have. You know, to chase different experiences and, and to try to make yourself better, or maybe your quality of life better. I think that's important aspect too. And then once you finally hit that, you know, that sweet spot of where you think, Hey, high school is better, collegiate love better, or just helping people in general, then you can pretty much make that transition and, and be happy, you know? Yeah. So, so kind of transitioning from, you know, uh, about, you know, your, your journey. Yeah. Um, my, I always ask this question uh, to strain coaches that have gone into the college sector, like when you, uh, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what sport, uh, I don't know exactly what sports you right. have, uh, trained. Uh, I'm sure you've tra- probably hit, you've probably trained all the sports at, at some point. Right. What is like a, something that most kids from college come in that they're lacking, that is not allowing them to maybe play at their best in the college sport or, um, you know, you as the strength coach are like, look, man, it doesn't look like you ever stepped in a weight room before. Like, you know, we got to start at ground zero basically. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of individuals, especially high school level that are coming up to college, right? Like, uh, besides football, a lot of sports teams have never been in the weight room before, right? They don't think it's something that, is necessary for them to be successful, right? So they've they've you know made it through high school, or they may, maybe they've made it on their travel team or club team, and they've been successful skill wise from a tactical standpoint, uh, you know. But from the, the the aspect as far as training, they just don't feel weight training is They're like ah, it's not not as not that important to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as you get in collegiate, as you get in more you know competitive realms, um, just like you said earlier, I think everything comes into play, right? Like from a recovery process, from nutrition process, from a mentality process or or psychological process, uh, from a strength conditioning, sports performance process, all those things are all encompassing. To be a great high school player, 
No, do you have to lift weights? No, you, you probably really don't. You know, depending on what level of high school you're at, to be a great collegiate player, do you have to lift weights? Eh, I mean, it depends on how good your skill set really is. But just that mentality of, of being open-minded um, and going, hey, I'm going to give my full effort to getting better in this specific area as far as weight training. I think that's something that, that a lot of kids are kind of standoffish just because they don't understand it. Right. Like if it's something new, if I have to weight train for the first time and I'm a soccer player and I'm coming in, you know, uh, fall camp and I've never trained a weight before and I have to prove myself to my coach. And the first time I lift weights, I'm pretty sore and it's affecting my fall play that I may not start. Uh, you know, I'm getting, I'm, I moved down to second or third string on the depth chart. When I think I'm the best player out there, I'm going to all of a sudden go, Hey, this is really affecting me. I don't want to give my full effort to that because I don't want to be sore again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I want to play soccer. So yeah. that's something where, you know, that strength coach needs to, to understand, Hey, you know, we have these individuals. It's something, you know, how are we going to train these individuals correctly? So it's not affecting their play. Um, it's also from a sport coach standpoint, um, you know, is the sport coach going to slowly evolve them into, into, into camp rather than the first day do a fitness test, right? Cause that's what usually happens. You do a fitness test, you know, half the team's injured, half the team's sore. And then all of a sudden you have to decrease your volume for the second week because we have, everybody's injured. And then the, you know, the third week we kind of have to build it back up again. And then by the time we're playing competition, uh, we're not at full, full strength. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think that's one thing, just that open-mindedness, um, you know, another thing is, is, is just being open to different exercises, not to be married to certain exercises, but be married to movements. Right. So, you know, I think that really hounds with if like, if you're a football player, like American football, uh, you know, the Olympic lifts are huge in, in American football, right. The clean, the snatch and other lifts too, and other sports, but you know, not to be married to those lifts. You know, if I'm working on, you know, if I want to get the same movement as a clean, but I have a freshman football player and instead of me going from square one with the bar and trying to teach that Olympic lift for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I expect him to play right away. I'd much rather him get the full benefits of, you know, jumping, sprinting, throwing, uh, still getting some type of power output work uh, without totally just detraining him from the Olympic lift wise, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and it's from, you know, just learning those technical aspects. So, and, I, and I've been in, you know, early on in my career, I, you know, I was a huge Olympic lift component. I was like, we have to Olympic lift. I don't care what sport you are. And that's just the upbringing I had, you know, when I was at UTEP here for Texas El Paso, um, my mentor is a huge Olympic lifter and, uh, you know, we Olympic lifted everybody. So, um, it was, you know, and that's when I got in my first head job, I was like, well, this is the way, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. So, um, you know, everybody Olympic lifted, we started with the bar, we built up and looking back on it, eventually I'm like, that's not the way to do it. Like we need to evolve. Um, some of these lifts aren't great. You know, if we need to do variations, we could do variations, but not everybody needs to do full cleans or full snatches or, and some people aren't capable of doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's just a matter from that standpoint, as far as, you know, um, just being open-minded and then, and, and then from there, just being, being coachable too, you know, not being set in stone. You know, if I have a football player and he's like, well, I love cleans, I need to clean this amount of weight to be, you know, be effective football player. We know that's not necessarily true. Right. Like it's just a matter of, um, you know, I think that comes around with some, some coaches also, you know, I had a coach at one point in time that said, you know, I need every football player to clean over 300 pounds. All right. Well, even this, you know, 150 pound wide receiver. Yeah. Everybody, everybody needs to clean over 300 pounds. And it just doesn't, you know, just doesn't work out that way. Right. Like 
if he's only cleaning 225 or 230, you know, to get him up to 300 pounds in six weeks probably isn't going to happen, you nope. know, but, uh, <laughs> right. So, but coaches are, coaches don't want to hear that. Right. So it's just a matter of, uh, doing your due diligence and trying to fight through everything and, and, and really, uh, trying to make everybody happy. That's the biggest thing. So yeah. those are my kind of things. I mean, just making sure athletes, you know, take the weight room serious, understand yeah. the reasonings uh, of why they're weight training. It's more of a durability issue than anything else. Then, you know, durability first as far as not missing games and then from a performance aspect. And then from there, now you can feed over to an aspect of leadership, individuality as far as uh, who needs specific training uh, programs specific to their need and then moving on from there, you know. So, um, and kids have evolved. I mean, the way you approach kids and talk to kids are different nowadays. Like 15 years ago, you know, you could, it was more of a militant style. Like, Hey, you have to do this. This is the way we're doing things. Um, uh, we're not changing anything. We're now it's okay. Hey, does this work for you? Okay. This, you have pain here or you don't think that's good for you. Well, here's a couple other options. Let's try this, this, and this, you know? So now you have the kids are really highly intelligent, like with social media, YouTube, um, you know, they're finding out these training means or how they, they, they should be trained. So mm -hmm. now they can actually talk the talk a little bit on some, and even some schools are have exercise physics classes or, or exercise science classes. You know, the, the school I'm at now, we're in the process of putting exercise phys and exercise science classes in our curriculum. So mm -hmm. now we're going to have these kids speaking the same language, right? So now it's like, okay, we need to get on the same page of what's most beneficial for these kids because pretty soon, you know, we're going to be doing conditioning drills and they're going to be like, hey, coach, is this, is this, you know, I'm, I'm a baseball player. This, this drill isn't specific to my needs. You know what I'm saying? So now you have to have that deliberate talk with them and, and go from there. Cause they'll, I mean, kids are smart. I mean, they're really highly intelligent. So, yeah. um, yeah, those are, those are kind of some of the little things you just need to be on your toes on some of those things, you know? So what, uh, you know, <clears throat> what area of like, like, I mean, obviously every kid is different. So if there was like one area that you think, um, you know, most kids need to work on more, um, as far as like the weight room, is it their overall strength? Um, are they, is it like mobility issues? Uh, is it, uh, that you've noticed since you've, you know, you, you, you come across a lot of high school, you come across, you've, you've come across a lot of college kids. Um, I'm sure, you know, some kids have, touched the weight room before, but most probably haven't. <clears throat> is there a area of that you find that if, you know, if you could tell all like parents and right. of high school kids, Hey, you know, if this, this is an area that I believe that if you worked on this for your sport, it could, it could really right. benefit you. I think, you know, as you said, yeah, like, your ability I, I and, stuff about, like that. And, and I think the top three, top three have nothing to do with physical attributes whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So effort, attitude, and um, the ability to to take criticism. I mm -hmm. think those are the top three right off the bat. Um, you know, knowing how to finish drills, knowing how to show up on time, uh, knowing how to ask questions. Like those are those are things that are are on top of the board. Especially with kids that I deal with now, even even kids. You know, and that, I think that really comes from the the top as far as your co the coaches go. Even at the collegiate level. Um, I worked with some really, you know, the last volleyball coach I worked with at UNC Charlotte, uh, she has, she has, you know, her family has a military background. Uh, so she wasn't militant, but she demanded a lot. Right. And she laid down the X's and O's right away. And, you know, and she, there was, there was, 
consequences if people didn't do certain things, right? So the biggest thing is finding the right person. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of college coaches are going to go after this great player that's going to, that can play the sport really, really well, but they may not fit their coaching style that the coach actually has, right? And then all of a sudden you have conflicts. All of a sudden, even though that person's the best, you know, the best athlete on the court at one time, uh, they're slipping through the cracks in other areas. And then players are seeing that. And then those players slip through those cracks also. And then you have a negative team culture, right? Um, so I think it's really knowing how to recruit people that um, have the same demeanor or same attitude that you have, that you that are coachable, right? Um, but then also holding them to a high standard. So that that's a, you know, and I, the coach I worked with, the volleyball coach, um, they, one thing they looked for recruiting wise is that other people in their family were athletes at one time. So either the parents were athletes or the siblings played uh, collegiate athletics. So all of a sudden, everybody knew what the standards were for that level. It just wasn't some newbie that both parents, you know, both parents never played athletics or didn't know, you know, if somebody in the family played athletics at a higher level, right? So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, they understand the, the you know, the, the culture, uh, the nature of the beast, and what is the standard for those things. Um, those are the big things from a high school standpoint as far as effort, attitude, and be able to, to understand, you know, criticism or whatnot. From a physicality standpoint, uh, I think the biggest thing is just movement quality and understand how to move correctly uh, and, and holding, that to a, holding that to a higher standard so that when weight is applied to it, structurally just not breaking down, right? Yeah. So um, I think that's huge. I think, yeah, can a lot of problems be fixed with uh, athletes getting stronger? 100%. But is the necessity to get stronger, is it, really, is it really that necessary to progress in strength that quickly, right? For certain sports, it's not. Um, you know, the average freshman football player, uh, you know, from, from the beginning of their freshman year to the end of their freshman year, roughly gained roughly 25 pounds, 20 to 25 pounds of body mass, right? Um, it has nothing to do with weight training whatsoever. It just happens to be that they're going through puberty and they're growing and they're going to put on, put on some weight, right? Uh, so if they're, if they're putting that weight on, and pl- plus we're doing weight training on, on top of it, well, now they're adding 25 pounds of body weight through that whole year, but now we're putting another external load on top of it. So now there could, it could be something that uh, it could lead to overstress of certain joints. Uh, it could lead to tendon issues stuff like that. So if we, you know, you hear about the block zero program, Joe Ken's done a great job, you know, designing this block zero program 20 some years ago. Um, so the big thing, if we can go through movement quality perspective, whether it's isometrics, um, whether it's, you know, what qualities you feel are important to your athletes, if you can do that for maybe the first semester of their, their freshman year, totally, and they're able to move well, then we can go with a more efficient way and, and try to, uh, load those joints from there on out. Because if I'm gaining an extra 20 pounds just from my natural maturation process, there's no reason for me to put an external load, an aggressive external load on top of it, right? And if we're yeah. going to a high school setting, you know, coaches want to see, you know, oh, hey, what's, what's so-and-so squat, what's so-and-so bench? Uh, you know, I even have, you know, our athletic director asked me, hey, you know, what is uh, our seventh grade, what's, what's their deadlift max? Well, coach, we don't, we don't deadlift max them. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not going to deadlift max them, you know? Like, they need to grow into their, their aspects. They need to understand movement qualities, how to move. I'd much rather those lower rank kids uh, know how to move correctly as far as uh, with body weight or know how to understand to do a, you know, a push-up or a pull-up. And then we're working on more mechanic aspects as far as running goes, right? Because um, I think they more, the more they can move in athletic positions, uh, the better they're going to be at sport. 
And then we can make them, once they get older, now we can add that little bit of weight in there and add some external load and make them a little bit more durable over time, right? Um, I think that's a huge aspect is athletes just can't, they just don't know how to move correctly or they're very robotic. Um, and I think competition is huge too. So, you know, at the high school level, there are, there are some academies or some high schools that, um, especially at the middle school level, they separate gender. So they may have all, all female classes, all male classes. And I think, you know, we all know at the middle school level, some females are uh, more mature or able to move a little bit more efficiently. Um, so they may, in, in some aspects, they meet, may beat boys in some races, right? They're moving better. They're higher quality movers. So I think having those genders and mixing genders at, at a lower, uh, low, lower level, whether it's elementary or sixth grade or seventh grade or eighth grade, uh, it may make male athletes move a little bit better also and be more competitive. Because obviously when genders come to play, no boy wants to lose to a girl, no girl wants to lose to a boy. And all of a sudden we have things that are a bit more competitive, right? So uh, I think those are the biggest things, you know, effort, attitude, able to be coachable, you know, uh, receive criticism well and and want to adapt to it. But then from, you know, physicality standpoint, the ability to move a little bit more efficiently. um, And obviously competition is huge too, trying to make things more competitive. And because that makes it fun at the end of the day, you know, kids are going to remember it. They're going to, hey, you know, if, if Billy beat me on a sprint last week, I know I need to prepare. And we can kind of hold that in our, our brain a little bit and while they're doing drills and go, hey, you know, the next day, hey, you know, hey, Billy beat you, man. What are you going to do today? You know, like build that fire a little bit. And that'll make them more competitive, not only in athletic setting, but, you know, they're not going to like to fail in life either. And that's the biggest yeah. thing is I think we give up too easy on a lot of areas too. So, Yeah, yeah I mean, <clears throat> that, that's true. Um, I think, uh, I, th- I think that I, I, that totally makes sense. Cause I, I look at it from a different angle. Um, not just from the strength training aspect. Uh, I look at it from the angle of kids that, that when they are on a team and it gets tough and, you know, uh, they might not be getting a lot of playing time and, you know, it's a little bit easier for them to quit and go to another team where they might be, you know, they might shine a little bit more. And I always try to preach. I always try to, you know, elaborate on some of the things that you just mentioned here. I'm like, look, man, like it ain't going to be easy uh, when you get, you know, if you play college, if you play at the next level, like it's not, you're not going to be able to quit on the spot and say, oh, like, you know, um, it doesn't work like that. So, you know, yeah, I think that those three, those definitely are, 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 good, are things that um, a lot of kids should really, really, you know, think about, I, you know, because it, it, it could change their sort of uh, view on, you know, different areas of their, even their life just in general. Like, uh, I think it's a big thing. I mean, I think we really have to be, and I think, you know, this just struck me probably the last, you know, 10 years or so, but we're really conductors of, of, what these kids are doing in the real world. You know what I'm saying? Like once they're done playing sports or once they're done doing how they're being coached is, is uh, I mean, that may be the only kind of guidance or really learning experience they've ever been approached with, right? Like their, their parents may uh, not be around. They may be a single parent family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they're in our, our view or in, under our hands, um, our guidance is key. And, and the more they see, you know, if the only person they see instructing people is that coach, eventually they're going to mimic, kind of their qualities, right? Yeah, I always, yeah. that's, that's a huge thing is, you know, um, and that's, that's something one of my coaches told me, they're like, Hey, you know, like 
Like, you know, we, we understand your personality and that's, that's fantastic. Uh, but we want our guys to have, you know, have similar like traits, you know? So all of a sudden now they're around you so often you hear the trait, you hear it all the time, you know, like you, you take on the traits of, you know, the three or the five people that you're around the most. Right. So, um, that's why coaching staffs have to be so synergistic and have the same message and really be, uh, you can't really be fake, right? Because if you're continuously being fake throughout the day, whether you're a hype guy or whether it's something like that, then at the end of the day, you're going to be totally exhausted because you're, you're putting on this facade, right? So uh, that's why these, these, these coaching staffs have to be so synergistic because you're really about molding those individuals to your, your quality of what you want. And then once they're done playing for you, they're still going to have those qualities inside of them because that's all they've been around for that many, that, that, that time period, whether it's, I don't care what level you're at, whether it's high school, whether it's private sector, whether it's tactical, uh, whether it's college, whether it's pro, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like um, you just have to have, you just have to be a good person and you have to have good qualities and, and preach those qualities all the time. Uh, so people can relate and understand what they really mean. Cause yeah. that's the biggest yeah. thing is you talk to somebody and they come back and go, Hey, you know, I, I know why, you know, we ran sprints. I know what the reason now why we started behind the line or why we did this drill or why I need to be on time. You know, like it, the, I understand that stuff now. Hey, thanks. You know, and you're like, Hey, that's at the time you didn't understand, but now you do. That's what it's all about. Right. Like that's huge. And I, I think that's, you know, I think that's big on the private sector too, just because I mean, someone's paying you, uh, to train them. Right. And they want results. And, and, you know, sometimes their skill set isn't very good, but you're trying to improve them. And, and just like you said earlier, I think you made a good point is like when, when it starts getting tough, you just can't quit. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, Hey, play it for a year. If you don't like it after the year. Okay. I understand, but you can't just quit in the middle of it and, yeah. and just go on because, you know, especially if your education, if your college education is riding on it, you have a scholarship and you're supposed to be there for four or five years. And after two years, you just don't like it. And then all of a sudden you quit. And now you don't have the funds to pay for college. Or you get deeper student loans. Now with the transfer portal, it's easy to transfer to other schools. Now that's a whole nother, you know, realm of things, but um, you know, you just can't give up on things and keep on yeah. giving up. I mean, that's just a poor, poor way to live life. I think you yeah. a lot of good points. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, <clears throat> that kind of stuff just kind of like happens like if you do it, if you do it when you're younger, those habits tend to creep up and happen again as, you know, as things go on, you know, after college and, right. you know, those, those habits uh, come up again. So, so w with the, with the place that you're now, are you just like a the sports performance coach? Like what kind of yeah. role do you it's, play? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different uh, than what I'm used to, but it's, it's exciting. Right. So, um, Myself and another individual were both brought on to be, you know, sports performance coaches. They created, they created a new department called human performance. Uh, we're under, you know, physical education. So it's two different departments. Uh, so we don't train. We really, we have opportunities to, we could train people before school or after school if we can, if it's in their schedule, but we have classes throughout the day. So um, we have seven periods a day. Uh, we train, you know, kids four days a week. Um, so Monday and Friday, our schedule was seven periods. And then, 50 minute classes. And then Tuesday through Thursday, we have a rotating block, which is a 70 minute class. So we see everybody four days a week. So it's a, it's a considered elective. So kids sign up like they would regular classes. Um, they don't all have to be athletes. They could be just general population. Uh, so within one class period, uh, you know, our classes are roughly anywhere from maybe nine kids to 
25 kids. It just depends the time of the day that fits in and, and, you know, if they can fit in around AP classes and stuff like that. Um, so our biggest thing is at one time we may have roughly, we may have six programs going at one time in a room, right? So we, we don't really break things up by sport. Uh, just as a fact, our, a lot of our athletes and it's high school athletes. So a lot of their ages are, their training ages are very, very low. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of break it up. We go through an assessment process. We break it up as far as, uh, novice and intermediate uh so like and then as we progress we'll add stages onto that intermediate or, or or novice program so right now we have we just got here in uh in last last june july so it's a brand new program uh so like right now we have a novice one novice two uh, and then we have you know an intermediate one intermediate two just for our general population other students and then our football is kind of more specific uh, and we break it up into like football novice and football intermediate, if that makes sense. So at one time, uh, we don't, we can't really, with our schedule, we really can't say, Hey, this is all we're taking all the football athletes and put them in one group. We just can't do it just because we have such a small, it's a very small high school or academy. So, uh, we don't have that many options as far as classes go. So if a kid needs to, like a, a certain history class, he needs to take it at a certain time. We don't have other options. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, it works out really, really well. We don't train a lot of athletes after school just for the fact that roughly about 65% to 70% of our whole student body play multiple sports. So, like, we have a football player that plays four sports, plays football, and then, uh, football in the fall, and in the spring he played soccer, tennis, track and field, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, and I think, I think we did some data and did some numbers. So, in the fall, I think we had 75 uh, percent of our whole high school population played a sport. And in the spring, I think 83% of our whole student population played a sport. So a lot of the people play, play sports. Uh, a lot of them are active and a lot of them play multiple sports. So we, the only time we could really train is during class. Uh, so we train on game days. That was something that was new this year is that they didn't in last, you know, in the years past, they never really had this position before it's kind of the football coach you know, doing, doing the weight training program pretty much just for football. Uh, so now we've, we're kind of implementing it slowly and moving on from there. And, you know, the biggest thing that has really been, not necessarily pushback, but different uh, is obviously game day lifts, trying to get kids to understand that it's, it's important to do a game day lift, whether it's a neural primer or something to get them generated. Not only is it going to help them athletically performance-wise, but also cognitively as far as wake them up a little bit right mm-hmm. uh, another thing that's that we've dealt with is, is co-ed situations so all our classes are co-ed so we have male and female in the in the classes themselves uh, we haven't really had any issues at all but we have developed a, a female only class that a female instructor teaches just for just for individuals that want you know don't want their kids intermingled or whatnot the females will take other classes from there and then uh, nutrition has been big right like um that's been a huge emphasis. I think it's a huge emphasis as far as recovery and nutrition, uh, just educating athletes, you know, eating breakfast, getting up, eating things. We do have a break period where they'll go through first period. And then we have about a 30 minute window that they can go to, uh, the cafeteria or whatnot, where they can bring it like a little snack and they can eat and then they can go through the rest of the day. So we do have like a little break period or whatnot, but our biggest thing is they're eating high quality foods, right? So yeah. we do have a dining service. Uh, that we don't control. It's an outside dining service. Um, and obviously a lot of kids don't want to stand in line to get the meals that are provided. So they always like to go by the register and the register has, you know, they have cookies and stuff like that right near the register. Really, you know, great marketing tool for them. But, um, 
So we have to kind of educate them. Hey, you know, take the extra five minutes or 10 minutes, stand in line, actually get something, you know, that's actually somewhat nutritious for you or bring something from home. So that's just been an educational process. So this is something that has been, uh, and we have the possibility of designing uh, new classes. So right now we have like, it's called, you know, competitive weight training is our class or competitive sports performance. Uh, we do have the option to you know, do other classes. So if it's something we want to have uh, a classroom setting that we want to go and, and teach exercise phys, we could do that. If it's something that we want to just do, you know, like a nutrition class, we could do something like that. Our biggest focus right now is, is actually getting this, this athletic performance class pretty much dialed in and then seeing what's needed from there. Right. So um, like I was, I was, you know, I was just promoted the department chair over PE and human performance just recently. So right now I'm seeing a little bit different side as far as um, how kids are registering for classes, what are the classes being offered, you know, more of the academia side uh, rather than just the coaching perspective. And then also, you know, administration budgetary things as far as controlling budget, how to control those things, what's important from our staff perspective, and then getting our, all our staff on the same page. So our K through 12 is all on one campus. Uh, so we do see some middle school kids that come and see us and, and weight train in the morning, uh, throughout, actually throughout the day, not just in the morning. So we have roughly, you know, between seventh and eighth grade, we have a very, like I said, it's a very small school, but we have roughly about 40 kids that come and see us from the middle school. So that's kind of like our, our developmental aspect. Some people would do block zero or whatnot. Uh, so we're just trying to get them. We do have some females too that want to, they don't want to do the female class. They want to jump in with the, some of the middle school boys, which we think is fantastic. Um, but it's just a matter of getting them all on the same page and, and facility wise. So we want to fill up our facility as much as possible, use that facility, make sure we show people that it's getting used, uh, just because that's, that's an important aspect. Our new headmaster, um, he used to be, he's former military, but he used to be a PE teacher himself. So he finds PE very, very important. Um, so it's just a matter of speaking with him and, and really we have some good backing behind us as far mm-hmm. as really developing this, right? So it's yeah. an exciting time. Our facility is a great facility. We can't really complain about it. It's about 4,000 square foot. We have 10 half racks. Um, it's right you know, right behind us is the football field. Uh, so we can use that if we need to for anything. So it's just a matter of, you know, you know, if we have 50 minutes on Monday and Friday, what's the what's the most important things we can yeah. do in that? We really don't have 50 minutes, right? Because the time the kids come in and change, the times they, you know, if they need to shower afterwards or stuff like that, you more likely have maybe 35 minutes really. Uh, to 40 minutes. So what's the most important thing we do in that 40 minutes? Now on the other days, 70 minutes, okay, you have roughly, you know, 55 minutes. Okay, what's the most important thing we can do in 55 minutes? So uh, we train, right now we train uh, total body every day. So, you know, we have an emphasis, emphasis lift as far as what we do. Uh, and then from there, we, we deliberately, you know, have, have a total body. That way, if we need to uh, modify some things, if we know, if we have, we know that, we have a track meet today and we don't want to train, you know, lower body excessively. We can take some stuff out and plug it in and it goes pretty smooth. So, yeah. but as long as we're hitting that main lift, it's pretty good. We use team builder. So we use the, we use team builder to, to track our main lifts and then our accessory stuff has worked out pretty well. We do track some accessories, but really uh, the kids are up to, they can pick what they need to. We kind of do a bucket system, mm-hmm. and, uh, which at first, you know, we kind of we kind of did everything in phases, meaning we did our, you know, our A1, A2 first, B1, B2, and we kind of went down. We may have a, a super set, we may have a tri set, and we just found out that there's just a lot of uh, uh, just a lot of lackadaisical. No one's really 
going through it, right? Like it was just kind of like, okay, I'll get to it when I get to it. Well, we kind of put them on a clock system now. So now it's everything's timed out uh, and it's worked really, really well. Uh, so we have a timing system that we, you know, we go through and they need to get done. If we're doing our main lift warm up, they got six minutes. So they're going to get their main lift warm up. They're going to do some prehab movements for that day. We'll go through our uh, main movement. Uh, our main movement may be anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes, depending on how you set the reps and the rest ratio. And we'll set the timer so that every time the timer goes off, the first person's up. So we may, we'll do it on, you know, whether it's every 90 seconds or every two minutes, depending on the qualities that we're looking for for the day. Uh, and then we go through our buckets. So our buckets will just be whether it's a push-pull, whether it's uh, agonist and antagonist, whether it's uh, a pre-exhaust. Um, there may be some manual resistance exercises in there. But it just depends on what we're looking for for the qualities we're training today, whether it's repeat effort, we're doing, working on hypertrophy, whether it's more plyometric or dynamic effort work. Uh, we have this block and then we'll set a time period. So we may have, you know, if we're working for more plyometric movements, then we may have, you know, three movements on there. It may be, I don't know, like maybe a plyometric push up or push up, you know, uh, with a band across, the, like with a band to, to get our hands off the ground, like a mile push yeah. up. It may be some type of squat jump. Um, and then it may be something where we're doing, maybe we do a sprint or something like that. We'll put them on the clock and go, hey, you have three exercises. We need to go through, we need to try to get through, you know, four sets of each of these in 10 minutes, right? So then they just, they roll through that. They're, you know, and they, they go through that as a, as a team. So one person's doing one, one person's doing the other, and they just rotate through and they understand that, hey, this is something we need to get done in that time period. Uh, there may be other days that working on muscle density or, or you know, some type of uh, hypertrophy work. And we may pick five exercises and go, hey, we're trying to get through this as many sets as we can in 20 minutes. So you might have, you know, might have pull up, you might have dumbbell bench press, you might have dumbbell split squat, uh, and then like Nordic curls and maybe like a front plank and the timer's going and they, they understand the sets and reps and what weights they're using. And they're just going through muscle density and they're just trying to build that capacity. Up, right. So it just depends on what we're doing and what qualities we have from there. So it's worked out really, really well. Awesome. Um, yeah. And, and kids are challenging each other, you know, if yeah. they're on rack one, they're going, Hey, I, I got through five sets and rack three is like, well, I only got through four. Now they're trying to keep each other accountable from that perspective, yeah. which makes it fun then. Right. So yeah. um, it's been really good. It's been a learning experience because in college you're like, you know, you have this certain time period. Uh, everybody has to do what's going on. You kind of yeah. control the room a little bit. And, and, you know, the thing is, is, is college kids don't have a choice, right? Like they're there, they have to go to practice They're It's more militant style where high school, you know, if kids don't like your class, um, you know, they could, they could not bring their clothes. They could find, they could go, you know, uh, to the tutor and do so they could find other means to not participate in your class. Right. Even though it deducts their grade, a lot of kids don't care if, you know, they get a B if they get a B and it's 89 or they get a B and it's 80%, uh, they could care either way. You know what I'm saying? So as long as they get a B, they're happy. So yeah. our big thing is really try to, uh, cut back on, uh, workouts missed, you know? So if it's, it's senior skip day and we have seniors showing up, then we know we, we know we're doing something right. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's been a positive thing right now. I mean, it's a learning experience and just like every college is different. Um, every high school is different too. Yeah. You know, every, every, every situation is different. So you just need to find what kind of kid you're dealing with and, and try to structure that the best you can. Right. So, so, so let me ask you this. So with these, you know, these kids, since it's kind of, similar to 
uh, you know, the private sector where you kind of have to get them to buy in. 100%. Like what's the, what's the, what's the conversation of like, Hey, you know, um, you know, this is going to be really, even if playing a sport or not, you know, you know, a, a kid that's, you know, that might not be playing a sport, but still participates. But what are you, what are you saying to these kids as far as like, you know, uh, you know, the, the benefits to what we're doing here. Right. I think, I mean, I think whether a kid is around the weight room or plays a sport, I think everybody knows, uh, the benefits of some type of physical activity, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, whether it's cognitive or whether it's physical, right. It's, it's a benefit no matter way, no matter what. So we kind of explain to them, you know, um, especially after COVID that this is a stress relief, right. This is the way that we can, we can, uh, relieve ourselves mentally especially if you're in a high academic school, you know, we're a college preparatory school. Academics are very high. Uh, we even have some, some, you know, individuals that take college, college courses halfway through the day, they go to UGA or go to uh, Emory and take college courses and then come back and, and finish up regular high school courses. Right. It just depends if they get in and stuff. So uh, we have, we have individuals that are like that level. Right. So, um, you know, we do have some individuals that, you know, that, that one with two swimmers that, are Olympic hopefuls. They want to swim in the Olympics. One just got a scholarship to UGA. You know, he does really good time. So we're dealing with individuals that are kind of on the high end, some, some of them, right. Yeah. As far as stress, right. Especially yeah. at a, at a, at a low age level. So we kind of explain that situation as far as uh, a stress relief aspect. Um, you know, I think all of them understand the physical, physicality, how they want to look. Right. So like, you know, bull, you know, males, Hey, I want to get stronger. I want to play, and I want to do sports better. I physically want to look different aesthetically. We can all relate to, to you, know, boy, you know, males easily, right? Female yeah. standpoint is a little bit different, you know? So from a female standpoint, I think it's really communicating with them on what they need. So the first thing we did when we got there, we gave them a sheet and said, hey, um, you know, what are your goals from this class? What do you want to do? What do you want to be educated on? We kind of got their perspective as far as instead of us going, hey, this is what you're going to learn. Right. We kind of got all the information from them and said, what do you want to learn? And we're going to teach you about that. Right. So if a kid, a person comes in and goes, well, I want to learn more about nutrition or I want to learn more about how I can be good at my sport or I want to learn, um, you know, uh, how I can, uh, you know, how I can help, you know, X, Y and Z. We're going to help it out. Right. So I want to know how to I want to know how to squat. OK, so we're going to teach these things. Right. So we get their perspective. And then from there we go, OK, how do you want to be coached? Do you want to be someone that, you know, we're on you 24-7, pushing you? Um, or do you want to be someone that, uh, you know, you kind of want to be left alone and go through what you want to do? You know, do you want to be kicked in the butt or do you want to be loved up? Which one do you want to be? You know what I'm saying? And that way you can kind of get a feel, okay, who, what are the personalities in the group? Yeah. Right? Because I think that's the most off-putting thing is all of a sudden you come in a new situation. And this goes with both sides, college, pro, whatever the worst thing you can do is come to a situation and all of a sudden you're just, you're just on people. Right. And that, and then all of a sudden the person's like, Hey, this guy, this guy is, you know, you know what, this guy's a piece of shit. You know, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't care who I am, what I'm about. You know, he's coming at me. I don't like this guy, you know? So the best thing you do is that first impression is highly important. So you just come in and go, Hey, this is what we're going to learn. It, you know, is there any, you get that information. Now, you know, you have that template. Okay. This is what we're going to do. You know, so we came in, got that goal setting. We sat down. We said, all right, now, how do we attack this? You know, so some people are there for athletic performance. 
Some people are there just for aesthetics. Um, some people can't move what we did an assessment. Like we did a, a pretty much FMS assessment. Um, and I'm not saying like the FMS is like the godsend of assessments. There's a lot of flaws to it. Yeah. Uh, whether you're, whether you're adolescent or whether you're geriatric or whatever, like there's some flaws, right? But we, it, it, good, it gave from the perspective, okay, this person needs to move better in this area. This person maybe have poor, poor ankle mobility. This person may have poor shoulder mobility. And we kind of took all these, these, you know, imbalances and these problems and we laid out, okay, this may be, uh, the direction we want to go for, uh, corrective exercises, right? So, okay, this looks good. What do kids do all day in class? Well, they sit the whole time. Uh, if they're on a computer, cause every kid has a computer, their shoulders are rounded over, their eyes are looking down. Uh, there's some postural things that we need to correct. What, what are the, what's the next thing we need to, we need to emphasize on, you know, we went from FMS, obviously core stability is a huge aspect. Um, you know, the ability to hinge was a huge aspect, hamstring, lack of hamstring strength, uh, length of hamstring flexibility, lack of ankle mobility, lack of hip mobility, um, female wise and male wise, lack of upper body strength, push and pull. So all of a sudden we have this, this big smorgasbord of just things that we need to correct. Right. Um, okay. We understand that it's going to be easier to just to get these kids strong and some of these things will correct themselves. Perfect. Yeah. What yeah. about, what about this kid that has no business learning how to front squat or learning how to back squat? Okay. No, is he taking this class just for a semester, uh, one semester is it, or is this year long? Cause I'm not going to teach this kid how to do X, Y, and Z lift if he's here for one semester and then I'm not going to see him for, you know, maybe he's a senior and he's on his way out the door. You know what I'm saying? So we go in and go, okay, what's the, what, what's our progression regression? All right. We're going to learn, you know, we're going to do an ISO squat, you know, ISO bodyweight squat. Then we're going to do, um, we don't have enough dumbbells, so we can't goblet squat everybody. So we're going to do a, a landmine anterior load like squat, right? So we're just going to mimic the landmine being a goblet squat. We'll load it on the barbell. That's our next movement. And then from there, we go to goblet squat. If the person can do goblet squat, and then we go to front squat, and then we'll go to back squat. And that's our five, that's our five exercise progression. We might throw Zercher in there from a transition from our landmine uh, anterior load squat to front squat, but only if it's really needed, right? So a lot of our novice individuals that don't play athletics, they'll get to a goblet squat and they're perfectly, they don't want to learn a front squat. They're happy doing a goblet squat. We may mm -hmm. do some different goblet variations with them, um, but we'll never have to load a barbell on their back or, or anterior load it on the shoulders and they're perfectly okay with it. Yeah. Right. A lot of our novice, uh, instead of trap bar deadlifting, we will do, uh, we'll do hip thrust with them. Right. So we'll put, we'll do hip thrust. Um, off the floor, which is a very, we could load it very, very heavy because they don't have to put their shoulders on the bench. If we want to get more range of motion, then we'll put their shoulders on the bench, whether a barbell on their hips or a dumbbell on their hips. Um, and then from there, we may do uh, just a dumbbell or kettlebell uh, deadlift as another variation, right? So that might be all they move from a novice standpoint for deadlift. Uh, for bench press, they're doing uh, push-ups. They're doing... Um, whether it's, whether it's chest elevated, right. Or whether it's, uh, an eccentric movement, just to learn on movement pat, like motor patterning, as far as how to actually do a push up, And then from there, if they, you know, if they can do it off a bench, chest elevated, they'll put a band across the safety rails, uh, and then they'll lay on the band to do push ups off the floor correctly. 
right? Taking the band, taking the body weight mm -hmm. off of their body. And then we'll progress them to a regular push-up eccentric. So they learn how to control it and keep their core stable. And then we'll go to regular push-up. Once they can complete so many push-ups on their own, then they'll go to dumbbell bench. Once they can do dumbbell bench, a certain weight of their body weight for so many repetitions, then we'll progress them to barbell bench. And then we'll have bench variations. Is that, you know what I'm saying? So we kind of have, yeah. our novice kind of has like a graduation rate. So like our <clears> big <throat> graduate, graduating rates for our, our novice group is obviously the ability to do push-ups, um, the, the ability to actually, you know, do some type of goblet squat. Um, and then from there, we load them and we'll go, we'll test, uh, they have to do 10 reps, a certain percentage of their body weight for their, their anterior loaded landmine squat. And then a certain amount of uh, a percentage of their body weight on dumbbell bench for, for a certain amount of reps and on lat pull down. Now, if they can do chin ups, that's fantastic. But that's most, most, if you get a freshman or a sophomore and they can't do, you know, they can, they're usually a little bit awkward sometimes as far as their growth spurts. So it's better to do a little bit more, maybe like a chin up lat pull down. Um, I don't do any banded lat pull down or, or pull ups or anything like that. I don't, we may do some eccentrics but I'm not putting a band on somebody and, and having the band do a lot of the work for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll get them stronger on a lap pull down movement. And then we'll work on eccentric as far as the chin up. And then we'll progress them to uh, maybe jumping up to the bar and trying to pull themselves up and then lowering down slow from that perspective, as far as the pull up goes. Uh, then we'll do RDL RDL for a certain amount of body weight uh, for repetitions. And I think that is the biggest thing. And if, if everything looks good, then we may progress them to then we may progress them to bench press. Then we'll progress them to trap bar deadlift. We'll progress them to uh, front squat, and then they move into intermediate load, and we'll go from there. Now, one thing we're going to do in the future is we're going to test individuals on their coaching cues. And if they're actually if they can actually coach one of their peers on a certain lift, like know the coaching cues, know foot position, uh, put everything together. And that's going to be an emphasis for our, our the next class coming in as far as those kind of things. So we're actually going to make sure they understand our coaching cues because uh, we get we give a lot of one word or two word coaching cues. You know, if we're if we're uh, front squatting, you know, uh, we'll work from the top down or work from you know like the bottom up, right? You know, we'll say we'll say feet, we'll say hips, we'll say elbows, we'll say eyes. You know, those are our big coaching cues, and we go over those so much that kids, okay, hey, elbows, eyes, they understand what all that stuff means. You know what I'm saying? So. We'll come in and go, hey, you know, today, you know, Susie, you're going to coach Jimmy on the front squat in front of everybody right now. Go. And then we'll, we'll take you have five minutes and they'll go through five minutes, give the coaching cues, educate people how to do that. Uh, and now all of a sudden that works on public speaking. That works on leadership. That works on communication skills. That works on peer to peer criticism or peer to peer review. And all of a sudden now we're building more emphasis on those cultural things that will help in the classroom setting or outside the classroom setting later on in life. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think that's huge. And that's something we're going to really work on doing right now uh, as far as this summer, building that curriculum up. So that way it progresses to that manner. And we're just going to have a checkoff list. Now we're doing things now where we pick somebody to uh, take us through, like we have our, our coaching sheet and we'll go, Hey, well, who wants to coach uh, warm up in our prehab? So we'll give it to the old, we have kids that, hey, I want to do it. I want to do it. Okay, here you go. Here's your time to shine, man. But, you know, here you go. And so you might have a freshman girl teaching a class of 15 kids, um, you know, and some will, some will clam up, you know, oh, I, oh, I coach, I need help, you know. But the biggest thing is, is they learn how to speak publicly in front of people. They know how to do things. Uh, you know, I might go to a senior boy and go, hey, 
You know, when we go halfway through the warm up, you know, ask ask how to demonstrate the exercise. You don't know how to do it. You know, so now they that now okay now there's a problem. Now they have to overcome some type of perseverance because someone yeah. doesn't know how to do exercise. Now it's challenging them to see if they really know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So you put them in situational awareness. Uh, it's just like a job, right? Like if I'm working at Chick Fil A and a customer comes up and goes, "Hey, you know, this is an order I don't want, or I didn't order this. This, you know, there's an issue here." Uh, are they going to clam up? Or are they going to, you know, how are they going to react to that situation? You know what I'm saying? So uh, we're trying to do things like that from a leadership perspective. And I don't think it's any different than anywhere else. Um, it's just things that I've learned. Uh, what I would eventually, you know, when I was at UNC Charlotte, uh, working with football, we did something from a perspective is, is our, our weight training sessions were all uh, athlete run. So we would have, we would, we would, you know, and, and this is something, you know, from a football perspective, they let, they let everything. So we didn't have to lead anything. We just sat, we just had our racks and we coached everything. So we were there coaching everything up, but they were leading the session. So, um, you know, and I, to just, just to give an example of what, what it really went, went through is, uh, they would line outside the door and about five minutes or 10 minutes till, right. And we would tell them, you know, we, one person would come in, we'd tell them how to set up the room. Hey, we have bench press today, put your J hooks on. Number six, uh, we have dumbbell benches. Make sure your dumbbell benches set up. Your first set of dumbbell weight is in front of your bench. So we give all these technical cues. They would come in in as groups because everybody was assigned to a rack, and they would communicate and work together and set the whole room up. And once the whole room was set up within that 10-minute limit before lift, they would all go back outside the room. All right? And then if it wasn't, then that was something that would be, you know, at first we didn't give them all the information. We'd slowly milk them in there, right? And, but eventually it set everything up. And then uh, the first person would come in and they'd go, hey, we're going to do warm-up X, Y, and Z. Make sure you're lined up on this. Tell everybody uh, you're running the warm-up. We'd actually give the athlete the warm-up sheet and they would be there, you know, running. They'd go through the warm-up, everything. they get to their rack. Their rack would always be set up if we're doing, you know, if we're doing uh, some type of clean variation or if we're doing, you know, deadlift or whatever we're doing on the rack. And we had a timer on the rack. And we'd go, hey, you know, every minute, warm-up sets, one minute in between. Work sets, 2.30, you're doing prehab in between this and this. All of a sudden, hey, first guy's up. He's on rack number one. Hey, first guy up, first set, everybody go. The whole series goes through. He hits the timer, one minute goes through. Okay, hey, second man up, you know, second set. He, he's calling everything out every set as he goes through. So now he's leading everything up. And then once we're done with our main set, um, you know, we tell him, hey, half the room, this half the room is going to be over there with Coach, Coach X over here. Half the room is going to be over here on Coach Y over here. These are the two exercises we're doing. We need half on lat pull down, half on dumbbell bench. You're on the other side of the room. Half is doing bent row and half is doing uh, pull ups or something. You know what I'm saying? Well, then he splits the room in half. Everybody dictates out, and then from there we give them coaching cues. We, you know, so coach is staying next to him, just feeding it in their ears. Okay, hey, you've got 30 seconds. Get everybody ready. Make sure they're in this position. And this kid's calling out, and everybody's moving like an army of ants into that position. So. Um, there's other coaches that visit us to see how we do that and stuff. It takes time, yeah. you know, but it is the most efficient thing. Now, all of a sudden, when they go on the field, right, and you have somebody say, hey, you know, this is what we're doing for play X, Y, and Z. This is the defense that we're running. Um, when something goes wrong, there's an audible or something going on. People are communicating. They're talking, and they learn how to – they know how to get instruction off one another, right? They're not cra- – you know, they're not crashing under pressure. Yeah. Same thing was on our running drills. We would do a lot of running drills or conditioning. And we did very similar things. So we would, you know, 
you know, we would tell, you know, if we're doing a certain drill, we need to touch the line with a certain hand. Or if we need to start with a certain foot, we would, you know, maybe they're on the goal line, lined up all the way down. And we just tell the one person, hey, right foot up. And all of a sudden he tells another person, he hollers down, hey, right foot up. And it all of a sudden just goes right down the line. And now they have to talk to that person next to him. Because how many times do you have somebody running or, or doing something and they're just going through the motions, right? They're not, they're not, they're not active in there. They're not doing anything. So we're challenging them with cognitive function um, while they're fatigued in a fatigued state. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and that's something, you know, I worked in the military for a short period of time. Um, and that's something we, we did in the military too, is we would condition guys and, and we, you know, our cognitive, mental cognitive uh, technicians would come down and they would show a map, a schematic of, of something. It may be something simple, like a room that had like certain, you know, certain pictures or something like that. And they would do some type of drill or some type of workout and they would come back and it would be a very similar picture, but something would be missing. An individual would have to mention what was missing in the picture just from that, that perspective. Right. So now all of a sudden they understand that, but that's from a tactical standpoint, from as far as, uh, as far as warfare goes, um, that's something where you have to, you know, think under high pressure situations because it's a life or death situation. Right. And we kind of, you know, a lot of, a lot of individuals took that and put it in the collegiate setting. And I'm not saying the collegiate setting is anything like the military because it's not. Um, and I really don't believe in, you know, you'll see a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, schools use, use military logos or something or military quotes to, for their program, which is all great and fine and grand. But I, you know, that, you know, military is hundred percent different than collegiate athletics or yeah. any class athletics. Yeah. But those are kind of things that how we kind of, you know, use those properties and, in and, and, and really built those character levels up. Um, and it's huge. I think that's a huge dynamic that is, is lost in transition sometimes. And, and I think it's something that, you know, I call those like anything, you know, Anything that's an attention to detail aspect, I call those big rocks. Like the big rocks are important, right? Like, yeah. um, if, if you know, if you break a big rock down, all of a sudden you have pebbles, and, and if you have a pebble everywhere, that's a huge, it's a huge situation because now you just took something that's really big and it made a lot of smaller problems which we don't need, right? So if we take care of the big rocks and they don't get broken down, then you don't have any of these smaller, smaller, smaller. You don't have uh, communication issues. You don't have, um, you know, little little things that rise up when, when, the, when the going gets tough. Right. So, um, I think those are huge things. And, and, and I, I think that was, have really helped, you know, people grow as people because now when they're transcended into the real world, whether they're, they're working real jobs or whatnot, they can communicate open with people, you know, and speak their mind rather than just taking direction all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge is self thinking and doing the right thing rather than just, uh, following someone else's lead all the time. I think independent thinking is huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the, the type of what you're, what you're coaching and educating these kids are the tools, more like life tools, not only obviously <laughs> right now, but you know, as they get older, it's something yeah, it, to think back on and say, Hey, like, I'm so thankful that, you know, coach Patrick helped me out, learn these things is coming through. It's coming to benefit me now, you know, sometimes kids don't, don't, don't look at it or think of it like, Oh, why is, why am I doing this? It's not going to, you know, benefit me. But. And I think, um, you know, if you look at like, you know, you look at Twitter strength conditioning or you look at these different things. So many people are arguing about X's and O's, right? Like, Oh, you should be doing this sets of reps. You should be doing this exercise. Um, you know, the X's and O's, you know, they, they, they matter to a point as far as physical development goes. Right. But at the end of the day, the X's and O's are just X's and O's. I mean, you know, any exercise can be supplement for another exercise and you're going to get some type of, 
um, stimulant out of it, right? Mm-hmm. The big, the big things that really make a huge factor, and you know, they're not to say cultural things because you know you're not really changing the culture, but it really comes down to just like I just talked about those little tangibles as far as communicating, being good leaders, doing the right thing, um, teaching those things. That's what that what that not only makes a difference in your team atmosphere or team attitude, but it's going to help those individuals later on in life down the road, right? Like they're not going to remember. I mean, whether you did close grip bench or whether you did dumbbell bench or whether you did incline bench, they're, they're not going to remember any of that. They're going to remember, Hey, I remember when I had to lead this group and, and people followed my lead and, yeah. and now I have confidence to do so when before I was just the guy in the back of the class that, you know, just, just hid behind my book and had my, my phone out, you know, texting somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden now they're more, uh, more alert. They're, they're learning better. They're understanding instructions better. And they want to lead because they got some type of gratification out of that. They got some type of, Hey, you did a great job today. A coach saying, Hey, you did a great job is probably one of the best to a lot of kids. There's one of the best things they could actually hear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, you know, and I think that's something we, we, as coaches, we're always there to, to pinpoint the negative, right? Like if you watch social media and you go, Oh, that, that squat wasn't low enough. Oh, that, you know, Oh, look at that clean, you know, that, he didn't do the X, Y, and Z wrong. You know, he did that stuff wrong. And we do that with our kids too. And all of a sudden those kids start tuning you out, right? They're like, why is this kid, why is this coach always harping on me? You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm, I know I'm good. Like, I don't need to be a negative. So I just started, you know, I started not calling out the negative things, but calling out the positive things. So like we, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm against, against conditioning tests, but, um, you know, it is what it is, but that's a whole nother, whole nother conversation. But, you know, if we had a conditioning test, a coach wanted to run or something like that. Um, and usually, you know, if you don't make a conditioning test, you're not, you're not, oh, you're not going to practice. You're going to have to run more or something like that. And you pick out the negatives. Hey, you know, Bobby, you're, you did that wrong. You didn't make your, your times or Susie, you didn't do that. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I started, I started giving praise to the people that, that passed with flying colors, you know, oh, hey, we had 18 people that passed it. You guys are great. Nice work today. Good job. And then all of a sudden, these people that are in the back, they start pushing a little harder. You know what I'm saying? Now, now they're like, Oh, I want, I want some praise. You know what I'm saying? Like, or the guy that always, you know, um, always comes in last. He came in, he didn't come in last, but maybe he come in halfway or something. Hey, yeah. that was good every day, buddy. Keep it up. You know, like keep, keep moving. All of a sudden now he keeps on pushing a little bit more. Cause he's got a little bit positive because the worst thing you do is someone's doing something negative. You just keep putting them further and further in the hole. You know what I'm saying? Now all of a sudden they don't like come to practice. They start showing up later. Um, you know, they kind of they kind of have some negative words from other teammates. Now there's a little inner squaddle, you know, little little inner squatter, uh, like little click. Yeah, and all of a sudden yeah. it just starts rolling downhill, right? Where if you're just totally praising and, and going, hey, you know, trying to trying to pick good days and stacking good days, uh, now all of a sudden you got something going the right direction, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, appreciate this conversation. Uh yeah, for I, mean, sure. I, I think whoever uh, you know, listens to this, we'll get a lot out of it. Some, there's some great nuggets to take from here. Um, especially those that, you know, work in the, with young athletes, like the, you know, cr- you know, I look at it this way, like, yeah, like I, I totally agree with you on the X's and O's, like at the end of the day, like, you know, the way that it, the way that it happens, the way that it's executed, obviously it's, it's really important, but, um, 
you know, we're creating leaders of the future. I, I look at it that way. And, um, you know, athletics and all this stuff is going to end at some point for all these kids. It's either going to end their senior year in high school or after two or three years or three or four years in college. And then they're, you know, they're in the, you know, private, you know, the sector of working. So, you know, it's important that we, we uh, not only obviously prepare them, but like you said, the, the, the tangible things that they could take away from you as a coach that will help them later in life. Um, and I think that's, those are the important things that um, will help a lot of these kids. And I think um, you, you hit it on the nail with, these, these ways that you guys, you guys are doing it. I mean, it's, I mean, this, I'm, I'm like trying to absorb it and trying to figure out, okay, like, how can I do this where I'm at my business? Like, um, cause 100%, I mean, I think that's even from the private sector, I think having like leadership academies and people have done it, you know, having leadership academies, having things where, um, you're able to bring, you know, especially in the private sector, bringing all those individuals together that you work with. And now all of a sudden, now they're a cohesive unit, right? Like whether it's a once, once a week meeting or a once a month meeting. And now it's something that it's something more than just training, right? Now mm -hmm. it's, I don't want to say it's a brotherhood because that's, that's yeah. a cheesy term, but it, you <laughs> have this, you have this academy that now you have these kids, you know, and if they come back after they train for a certain period of time, it's something that's going to, the training is not going to only draw them back, but this academy is going to draw them yeah. back too, because they feel part of something. Right. And yeah. I think, I think that's what we all want to do is we all, all want to feel part of something. Yeah. Uh, have this. That's why we're all coaches and that's why we all deal with athletics. But uh, if you can do it in a transcending manner that not only includes athleticism, because once they leave, just like you said, if they do get injured and athletics, athletics isn't part of them anymore, at least they still have that group of people they can still come back to. Yeah. And you can still be a part of, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I think that's a huge thing. Um, I don't know how many, I don't know if anybody really does it in the private sector. You know, I know, as far as those kind of things in their own and thing, but I think it would be something that would be the retention of, of clients. Um, I think would be huge yeah. because you would, you would come back. And I think that's the name of the game in the private sector is just that retention. Um, even, you know, I think, you know, I think even play uh, flooring, right. Play the, the play Academy and stuff like that. They kind of do like a mentorship program where they, they, you know, you, every week you meet or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, you keep, you know, you do it for so many weeks, you learn different things, you hear everybody's story, but all of a sudden, you know, you feel part of something a lot bigger. Yeah. So you don't, you don't want to miss it. You're less likely to miss it. Um, you know, you'll, you'll skip X, Y, and Z. You'll skip your watching your favorite show on Netflix because you want to go be part of this thing where you're learning and, and it's bringing something different than just training. Right. And I think that's yeah. a whole, whole perspective, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we could probably feed off of a, a thousand conversations off of this talk, but uh, I really appreciate you having me on here. And, and like I said, I mean, uh, is, is truly, uh, truly beneficial. And hopefully I, I dropped some, some knowledge that somebody could grow from it and, and, and go from there. I mean, I think these podcasts are great. It's just getting just a, a little bit of information that you can use and then you can reach out to that person and feed off of it even more. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. So I always kind of end, uh, cause you know, it doesn't matter if it's a parent, if it's a kid, if it's another coach that could, you know, you know, send this sort of question that I, I ask and you answer, you know, what, what is something that, you know, you know, obviously we're talking about a lot about athletics, kids, what is something that like, you know, from, you know, over the course of your time as a, as a coach, you think uh, like, 
you know, so, something that kids could really, you know, get to help them, you know, put themselves in a position to be a better athlete, be a better person, be a better, you know, role model for maybe their, their, their brother, sister, whatever cousin, um, you know, just so it helps them, you know, get, do better things in life as they, as they grow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, I love to read. Um, I think it's a huge thing. And, and I think, I think everybody enjoys reading books about topics that they, that they're knowledgeable about, about mm-hmm. right? Like they try to gain more knowledge about, but I think reading things or coming in contact with people on things that maybe you're just not familiar with just to get a different perspective, right? Like, you know, growing up, I was always into training and learning about training and, and stuff like that. And now my whole mindset has kind of shifted a little bit more to um, just leadership perspectives or, or understanding uh, more psycho- psychology aspects as far as dealing with different personalities and stuff. And I think that's huge is just um, go off something, you know, you might like training or you may like a certain sport, but learning how other coaches, you know, maybe I love baseball, but you know, maybe something I learned more about lacrosse or learn something about a different perspective or how somebody does something like that. And reading books, I think there's more enough books out there from different coaches getting different yep. perspectives. Um, just, just so you know what certain coaches are looking for or what they've gone through, right? Or even, even those kind of things. So, I mean, I think those things are important. Um, you know, if it's something that leadership is, is perspective, there's always websites, there's always individuals that you can reach out to. Um, and even social media, you know, social media is huge. Uh, the biggest thing, I think the biggest asset, you know, obviously some things on social media are, are pretty poor. It kind of draws us away from a lot, of, a lot of things that we would normally do. But the ability to communicate with those individuals on social media is huge, right? So, um, you know, if you find something that's interesting or whatnot, just don't message that individual on social media. But if there's some way you can directly contact that person yeah. and, and talk to that person and, and not hide behind a screen or talk on a screen, I, just you know, make yourself a little uncomfortable and, and, and go outside the box of your comfort zone to, to reach out to those people. So those are little things. I mean, um, you know, just try something different. You don't know if you're going to like it or not. You know, my family, you know, none of my family really were played were athletes or worked athletics or did anything like that. So like I'm the oddball, right? Like I'm, I'm around athletics all the time. I played athletics. Um, you know, my, my parents, you know, worked nine to five jobs in a factory or, or work midnight shift and they're used to working all the time, which I think is where I get a lot of my work ethic. Uh, but they don't understand what I do. You know what I'm saying? So it's like just a matter of getting different perspectives. I think a lot of coaches are in that same, cause these, these opportunities weren't around when they were growing up. Right. Like, so just, you know, find something that interests you and, and do something just a little bit different, just so you get a different perspective of things because. You know, you, you know, your perspective, but you never know what somebody else is thinking also. So yeah. those are, those are, that's kind of a little thing, you know, exactly. um, I don't know if that you're looking for, but yeah, no, just, no, that's good. Sometimes, sometimes I just, I just, uh, ramble on about things. So, um, <laughs> no, I, mean, is, I mean, I think it's good. So, no, I mean, uh, I mean the, the, the continued education, the, you know, that kind of stuff is important for, you know, young kids. Cause I think they do tend to you know, focus so much on, you know, their sport and getting better at their sport and understanding that there's more to life than that. Oh, yeah. um, and there's other avenues that are, you know, are going to open up for you if you, you know, you, you, you know, kind of um, dabble in different areas. 
So, yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. That's, that's a good perspective. Um, so again, like I thank you, appreciate it. Uh, this is an awesome conversation. Um, and I, um, again, thank you. And I hope you have a good rest of your evening. No, you too. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Train to Perform with Julian Sisman. Learn how you can work with Julian in a personal training session, either online or in person at prepareforperformance.com. And follow on social media for more tips on training, fitness, and sports performance on Twitter at jsisman_pfp underscore PFP and Instagram at prepareforperformance.